Welcome back to Sorry Not Sorry. I'm Medha. And I'm Shreya. This is the fifth episode of the Sorry Not Sorry podcast. So Medha, how was your day? My day was great. I have done absolutely nothing today. The day we're filming this is actually the day of the infamous Josh Swain fight. So I was just watching that. I was very excited about it. Yes. But it was really laggy and a very chaotic live stream. So on the side, I was watching In True Spirit, Elam's Twitch stream and his real name is actually Josh. How about you, Shreya? How was your day? Um, pretty good. I mean, the weather looks really nice outside, so I really just want to go outside and not be in my room. But I also have to study for one of my midterms, so not excited about that. But it's okay. We're gonna be on that grind. Good luck, dude. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, yeah. so Maida, what are we? What are we talking about today? We're gonna be talking about things that we shouldn't be talking about. And so you may be wondering, what are we talking about? (laughs) Okay, so we're gonna be talking about basically topics that are considered taboo in the South Asian community. And it all kind of circles around the idea of Lokya Kenge and like that culture and that, just like that idea. So what are your thoughts on it, Meida? First of all, for anyone who doesn't understand Hindi or hasn't heard this phrase, Lokya Kahenge is translated right. to what will people say? And essentially, it's the idea that every mm-hmm. single person in our community has something to say about the actions that we do. And parents generally say this phrase to their kids because they want to make sure that their kid is conforming to conventional societal norms that make their family name proud. And essentially it's the idea that you can't do anything that could provide any backlash for your family. We just think that this idea really applies to a lot of other things that we're going to be covering in this episode, but I think one way that it's like kind of been ingrained in my like mindset is just like really thinking about like what are people going to say like behind my back like you know are people going to talk about me in a negative way and really just being aware of how you present yourself to society. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think it also goes back to the idea that you as an individual represent your family and your family name whenever you are outside. And that's something that's really important to the South Asian community. And when you're interacting Mm -hmm. with the public, your public community also has a huge influence on your family status because whatever your community thinks of you is what your family status is within the community and we're not condoning it in any way but we're just explaining that right this is a way that families put pressure on their children and members uh to conform to societal standards aunties talk and it's very gossip heavy and that's not necessarily a positive thing whatsoever, especially on the mental health of kids who are just trying to figure out who they are and need to experiment and try new things in order to do that. But it is something that's always been prevalent. It's definitely like an, like an old mindset, but it's definitely like a way that a lot of people think to this day. And it really just like circles around like the idea of reputation and you know thinking about like you know there are going to be rumors or stuff like that behind your back and i think one thing is that they actually kind of show this in movies sometimes but it's not like 
it's not as deep as it actually is like they don't represent it properly like they kind of just show like aunties talking about it and they're like oh did you hear about this person's son doing this or this person's daughter doing this but it's definitely like more heavy than it seemed than in like movies and stuff yeah and i think the reason for its institution within people's minds and ingrination into our culture is probably due to the nature of living situations historically mm. speaking and so I believe South Asian cultures have always had groups of individuals living together in towns. Mm -hmm. And so with recent urbanization, I think the Lokyakahenge culture has dissipated a little bit just because if you're living in a completely different city than your parents and it doesn't really matter what you do there. And also if you live in a city, not everyone in the city knows each other. But historically speaking, everyone who lived in the town knew each other. They all had the same doctors, they had right. the same hairstylists, or whatever. And so that just meant that gossip was inevitable. It's like attending high school. Everyone yeah. knows each other. We so basically talk yeah. about each other. And yeah. that's why it's so important. And high school becomes your entire world. And then once you leave high school, you realize there's an entire world where no one knows who you are. And right. it literally does not matter what you do as long as you're making yourself happy. But mm -hmm. I think that's where Lokyakahenge culture has stemmed from. And especially like as expatriated uh, South Asians, we have still seen that culture in to some degree just mm -hmm. because south asians have and i think a lot of minorities have the tendency to find other south asians and then band with them and then form communities with them yeah. and go to parties together and become family <laughs> friends which is really great but it also creates somewhat of a toxic environment sometimes if mm -hmm. people begin to try to manipulate gossip and control people who are from their family or not from their family for the sake of Lokyaka Hengi culture, which yeah. it's not great. Yeah, and I just, I just think it adds like a lot of pressure onto the children, especially like mm -hmm. even in our generation, like we still see like our parents, like who are in a different generation, kind of adding that pressure. And I think one section is in our jobs and that's basically like job equals life and we're told from a very young age to kind of think of our career paths and like kind of decide already like what we want to do later in life and i think one thing that a lot of south asians have in common is that like initially your career paths are like down to like four different jobs and i feel like for me it's always been like lawyer doctor engineer or like a businesswoman and i feel like that's that's been it for me like those are like the four options and i don't know i just i'm glad that i'm doing business but i think for a lot of people like they are pressured into doing a specific job because of this like lokya genge like culture yeah i have quite a few friends who have said to me yeah, I'm only pre-med and becoming a doctor because my parents want me to. And full disclosure, mm -hmm. I'm a computer science major who wants to go into tech and business. And I think yeah. that's more of me figuring out that's my interest and less of my parents telling me because I was fortunate to live in a family where my parents don't even do STEM. <laughs> I think both of them studied STEM. I oh, think, wow. I think that's the reason why. It's just because my parents had a, their own non-traditional background which helped them facilitate that same environment for me but somehow mm -hmm. both of their kids ended up going into tech but <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know I don't know how it happened but I, I think it's because yeah. they always 
wanted to expose us to every single opportunity that was available. So I was put in like music and dance classes from a very young age. And I was told this is a viable career path. And I was also put into like sports and stuff. And that was also, even though I'm not good at sports, I was told, you know, it's a viable career path and it's something that I can take. So I think I'm very fortunate to have that opportunity. And I hope to mm-hmm. encourage my friends to do the same. But ultimately, there is pressure that's put on to people, especially the doctor engineer mentality. And I think the pressure is also gendered in a way. And people will say to their daughters, you have to become a doctor. And will say to their sons, you have to become an engineer just because mm-hmm. one is more nurturing and therefore more feminine which is mm-hmm. not true but whatever right. i think whatever <laughs> i think we are shifting away from that paradigm now but there still is a very as you said those four jobs are so important to mm-hmm. a lot of people and i think it's because south asian parents want their kids to have stability and yes. stability in this day and age especially when you live in the united states it's about the idea of pursuing the alleged American dream, which is the idea Mm -hmm. that uh, you can achieve social mobility if you work hard enough. And if you have social mobility, that means you have reached a certain degree of success based on your economic status and your net worth. And so stability means being able to buy a good house, a car, um, support children if you have children, and of course end up getting married or something like that, which is all good things. But they stem from having a high-paying job because who would want to marry you if you don't have a high-paying job and can't provide stability, right? right? Um, Which is also um, (laughs) questionable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like, not to like play devil's advocate or whatever, but like I kind of understand like the whole, you know, start thinking about your career pretty early so you know what you want to do later in life and there's not like this confusion. And like I'm not trying to tell parents how to parent, but... I think like giving your child that freedom early on just so they like can find it themselves and you know make that choice for themselves instead of having that pressure because once you have that pressure it just gets even more it gets harder to like enjoy it you know and if you pick it yourself like you're able to like enjoy this career you're able to enjoy life and like similar to your parents like I'm grateful that my parents have never pressured me into like doing a specific you know, being a doctor or being an engineer, like, I'm not gonna lie, like, my dad's definitely brought it up and been like, oh, you should become a doctor, like, you'd be great as a doctor, and I was like, you know what, I'm good, like, I don't want to go to med school, bioscience, that's just not for me, <laughs> but, like, I mean, now that I'm doing business, I guess it is kind of traditional, but, like, my brother, for example, isn't doing, quote-unquote, like, a traditional job, but, like, he's happy doing it, like, he's happy that he's found um something that he enjoys and my parents have been very supportive but there's always like like you said like that idea of stability and I think to some extent it does kind of make sense but we're also in like a new world where you can't succeed as like an artist or a professor or I don't know like a singer or something anything that's like out of those four choices like we're getting to that point where you can you can find success in these jobs and you don't have to be one of these four jobs just to be successful in life and I think we're, like, getting there, but it is, it, I think, in a way, did kind of impact, like, how I viewed my career path. Because, like, early on, I was like, oh, my God, I need to pick something that's going to help me later on in life so that I can be successful. And back then, like, success just meant being a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer or something. But I think we're we're slowly getting there, but we're not quite there yet. 
I'm not gonna lie, I am gonna tell people how to parent. In my opinion, <laughs> okay, go for it. people should tell their kids, explore every single interest that you want mm -hmm. to explore. But once you figure out the thing that makes you the most happy, no matter what it is, become the best you can at that. Every single day, wake up thinking about how you can further innovate within that field, how you can do what no one else is doing in that field. A great example of that is Mr. Beast. He's a YouTuber, but every single day he wakes up and thinks about how he can innovate better. And you can see that in his subscribers. You can see that in his older videos. And I think there's one video where that was the first video that really got him popular. He said, Jake Paul. A thousand times and yeah. it makes no sense but you could see he was just sitting there doing it the entire time and that kind of commitment and dedication is something that no one can do unless they truly enjoy their craft and i think that right. parents should encourage their children from a very young age to commit themselves 100 percent to any craft that they genuinely enjoy and if that changes which it might then it changes but at least no matter what you commit yourself to, you become the best at. And what I mean by the best is not competing with other people, but competing with yourself and who you were yesterday. Yeah. And I think like tying to that, like you talked about the American dream, like we see that as like, oh, you know, a lot of money, big house, big, like a bunch of cars and stuff like that. And that's definitely how the, the Lokia Kenge like culture kind of ties like relates to that because yeah we're taught that success means like having a lot of money and having a big family who will go on to like you know do good things and represent your name and stuff like that but I think we need to kind of enforce the idea that success means that you're happy doing what you're doing mm -hmm. like even if you end up in let's say like a small apartment in New York City or something and you're just and you're doing your job and you love life like that's success you've reached your point you know like it doesn't have yeah. to be that you're living in a huge apartment and you have like you know all these nice designer clothes and stuff like that like success shouldn't equal like material objects it should just be that you're happy with where you're at and you feel good about where you're at and also if you're good at what you do then financial opportunity will come to you exactly it works hand in hand but I do want to say, I think the idea of the American dream is inherently flawed, and that's because of the sociological perspective on that, which is the idea that the American dream was inherently created to essentially oppress minorities, which is a completely different topic, so I won't dwell on that too much. But I think the American dream is inherently flawed because it was created in order to say that if you can achieve anything if you work hard enough, which is not necessarily true because there are a lot of factors that can hold you back, such as your gender or your race, and that's because of institutionalized discrimination that's inherent within this country. So I do want to give that caveat. But moving on <laughs> to things <laughs> that are very important and tie back to the idea of being happy with what you do, and that's mental health. And so have you had any experience with mental health, especially within the South Asian community, either you personally or you've seen this with other people? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm kind of, I think my parents are, I'm not going to say that they like, you know, don't focus on mental health. They do, but it's not really been a priority and it's not, I'm not like trying to call my parents out. I've seen this with 
some of my other friends, like their parents have never really prioritized mental health because there's so much pressure to just be the best at what you're doing and like, you know, to be successful in every single step of your life. And that definitely like affects people's like mental health. And I think I've just seen like a lot of parents like, you know, not care that they're that they're kids are going through something and then that leads to like their kids not being able to talk to them about it which I think is just another problem to have to deal with because you know you look to your parents for advice and like wisdom and stuff like that and if you can't even talk to them about you know how you're feeling and just like kind of open up to them it obviously adds like much more pressure and like the situation just gets worse but I I think I've just seen that in like I think it's just a thing that's kind of present in this community, but it's just not talked about enough. Um, I think there's a stigma about the idea of mental health, that if you have some sort of issue, then you are weak. Mm-hmm. And because the idea of mental health is so abstract, subjective, and personal, it's mm-hmm. extremely difficult for anyone really besides a professional to diagnose whether or not something exists in someone's mind. Mm -hmm. and it's very hard for it's it's very hard for parents to accept the idea that their child might be going through something Mm -hmm. that they cannot control if there's a physical problem let's say I broke my arm then my mom can make me a sling and she has control over that situation she can give me an advil she can take me to the hospital and she can see whether or not by like moving my hand to see if there's improvement and you can look at the swelling there's so many different metrics that you can tangibly uh measure but Mm -hmm. you can't do that with mental health because of how abstract it is but also how real it is at the same time and i think that's what makes it really hard especially for South Asian parents who really want to control the narrative for their children because they want the best for their children. And so if they are, mental health forces them to relinquish control, which is really difficult, I think, for some parents. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've noticed amongst a lot of my friends. And I went to a high school that was, I've probably mentioned this before, but I've went to a high school that was not very kind to students' mental health. We actually had a Facebook page where people would anonymously submit issues that they were having in their life and just rant about things. And yeah, I I could not follow that page just because it made me so upset. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I don't really know what the content of those posts are like, but from what I've heard, it's not a very positive place and it encourages negative things for other people who also read that and consume that content. And I think part of the reason is because people's parents and I went to a pretty Asian school. That means a lot of the parents have the same kind of mentality and backgrounds. And it was very saddening to hear about people who had to hide their issues from their parents just because they genuinely didn't think they would understand. Mm -hmm. And there are organizations that are trying to change that narrative. Manmukti is a really good one. I believe NYU has a chapter and Mm -hmm. there are some movies that are also trying to attack that. Specifically in Bollywood, I actually read a research paper on this about how Dear Zindagi is... Did I say this in a previous episode? I think you did, but you can go into it. Yeah. Let's go into it. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I I wrote a research paper on this about how Dear Zindagi is changing the narrative for mental health in India and 
really any country that consumes Bollywood content. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of South Asia. And there was a lot of quantitative research that showed that when celebrities, for example, Deepika Padukone came out about her depression, whenever they talk about their mental health, it significantly changes the minds of people, especially parents, because it's someone who they admire and look up to talking about something very real that happened to them, and that helps change the narrative. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that there's a long way to go, but hopefully... We, we do get there we'll at get some there point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because no. it's such an important issue. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, that, again, just ties back to the whole idea of Lokya Kenge, like, of how sometimes parents are, like, shocked that, you know, their their kids are going through something like this if they finally get the nerve to, like, open up to their parents. And they're shocked that, you know, they're feeling this way, but, like, why is it, you know, why is it so surprising if, like, you've been pressuring your kid to do specific like you know do these hobbies or like learn an instrument like go to harvard and like you know be an engineer and stuff like that (laughs) like of course there's going to be pressure of course we're gonna have a couple of problems emotionally with our mental health that you know all this pressure kind of causes and i do want to reiterate that like my parents have been very helpful i'm not trying to like call them out but like i've just seen this with a lot of like other people and i think personally for me like I'm getting to that point where I can tell them if I'm not feeling okay and like they want to talk to me about it and they're starting to understand it so hopefully other people are kind of like getting to that point and we're getting there as a community but like a lot of people still go through that and like you know people are afraid to like talk to their parents about anything and it just shouldn't be like that but yeah ultimately is the rat race worth it Mm mm-hmm Really not, because you are the most important person in your life. And I think that's something that a lot of people forget. What are your thoughts about things that we generally get in trouble for that some members of our age group don't think that we should get in trouble for? (laughs) Um, I think one thing that I can definitely talk about is like, wearing provocative clothes sometimes. My mom sometimes has a problem with it and like I totally understand it. But I think it's just, again, that culture where, like, you know, I don't see any issue with it. But, like, of course, my mom does. And I understand she's being protective. I understand my parents are being protective. But there's always that that comment of, are you going to a fashion show? Or is this a fashion show? Anytime I, like, dress up, you know, maybe, like, feel a little cute and go to school. And I don't know. I think that's always been... I think that's an issue with a lot of South Asian girls specifically like not being able to wear what they want and like you know there's always that that idea of like having to wear different clothes when you're leaving the house and then change out of the clothes as soon as oh my god there's a scene there's a scene in ladies versus ricky bell have you seen that movie yes oh my god it's when Bharaniti chopra is leaving the house and she tells her parents she's going to a sangeet and then she's wearing a super cute (laughs) lehenga and then in the car she changes out of the lehenga wearing a mini dress and goes out with Ranbir Singh that scene was so funny it's such an accurate representation though like a lot of girls do this like they feel like they they need they like have to do it I feel like 
first, people should wear whatever they're comfortable with. There mm, are creeps yes. in the world, and they're yeah. going to say things, and they're going to do things, and they're going to be awful human beings. Mm-hmm. But we should not change who we are in order to appease other people. Yes, agree. First of all. Second of all, I don't know. I feel like the people who do that sneaking out thing and then wear different clothes in front of their parents and, and uh, lie to their parents about their clothing purchases, I feel like... You just need to sit them down and be like, look, this is what everyone's wearing. Mm -hmm. I feel happy wearing this. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if I should preface this, if you're in an appropriate age group and you are not being pressured by your friends to wear certain clothes or act a certain way, go for it and talk to your parents about it, explain it to them. And if they don't understand, I don't know. Yeah. Hold on. Let me let me rethink of what I was gonna say. <laughs> I don't want to say anything that's bad advice. It's hard. It's definitely hard. Like wear you... what makes you happy. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. Live your life. You know, YOLO. Do whatever you want. Go for it. Yeah. Genuinely, it's your life. You're the most important person in your life. People mm-hmm. will always have something to say. Yeah. People will always what log will talk. Right. Yeah. Log will say things, but at the end of the day, it's your life. And if you're not living your life to the fullest, what is there worth having? Exactly. And if you're not happy with how it's going, change it. You know, do what you want. Be happy. You don't have to conform to societal standards. Mm -hmm. Don't have to conform to anything, any norm, um, unless it's bordering on illegal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) We just got to put that out there. Yeah, but how about other things like listening to rap music or even saying or listening to things with swear words? I remember, okay, I remember like I didn't really listen to rap music or anything till I got to like New Jersey, junior year. Mm -hmm. And like one of my friends kind of just introduced me to rap music and I started liking it. And you know, whenever I'd get in the car and I'd drive, I'd be like, you know, I have aux, I'm going to play music. And I'd start playing some rap music and no one in my family liked it, including my brother. They were like, what is this music? Like, you know, it's so provocative. There's so many swear words in it. And I was like, you yeah. know, I get it, but it's a, it has a good beat. You know, it's a good song. Let me listen to my music. And so, like, from then, like, once they started commenting about it, I kind of, like, didn't play that music when they were in the car. And I kind of just, like, restricted myself. But... To people who are listening, play whatever you want, listen to whatever you want, go for it. I really like listening to all types of music, and I think I'm very fortunate that I have a family who also really just appreciates music for music, and will appreciate anything. And so the other day I was in the car and I was just playing a bunch of UK rap with my dad, and he was very (laughs) confused, but he was like, you know, this is is a bop. And so he was really enjoying it, I think. Maybe maybe he was just being nice to me, but I think, <laughs> I, I think he was genuinely enjoying it. And express yourself the way that you want to express yourself. I think music has a very emotional connection with a lot of people where lyrics may or may not mean a lot to people and artists may or may not mean a lot to people. So at the end of the day, music is something that can be very personal. And so if you enjoy listening to something, listen to it. I think that if there are offensive words that are used within the music, you shouldn't say them, obviously. But if there are words that are swear words, then it's fine. (laughs) I mean, it's just music at the end of the day. And even saying swear words, it's 
it's it's just another form of expression and if you feel that you need that vocabulary for your expression obviously um, unless that form of expression is degrading or offending any community i think it's Mm -hmm. fine yeah agreed okay now we'll be moving on to our hot take segment sorry not sorry for this week's episode brought to you by me and our audience How Sorry Not Sorry works is that it's a rapid-fire style hot take section about this week's topic and previous episodes' topics. So if you ever feel like we missed any, feel free to send it to us on social media and we'll include it for future episodes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for this week's episode, I'm going to be reading out the hot takes and Maytho's going to be telling us if they should apologize or not apologize. Maytho, are you ready? I'm ready. Alright, here we go. Okay, Uh, TikTok is an informational platform. Apologize. The Pooja, what is this behavior or bulgy comments are funny. Apologize. Pretty privilege is definitely present on TikTok. Don't apologize. Oh, for sure, don't apologize. <laughs> um, TikTok tea is interesting. Don't apologize. I followed the Jaden and Nessa drama. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok gives platforms to the creators who deserve to have that platform. Don't apologize. Ananya Pandey is struggling to enter the Bollywood industry. Apologize. Rani Mukherjee is a great actress. Don't apologize. There are only a few good Bollywood movies that focus on important issues. Don't apologize. Akshay Kumar, Saif Ali Khan, and Salman Khan should retire. Don't apologize. Bollywood movies to this day still promote being fair-skinned. Don't apologize. Kevin G was a king. Don't apologize. South Asian characters in mainstream media is more or less an accurate representation of the community. Apologize. CC from New Girl was a great character to re- represent South Asians. Don't apologize. Never If I Ever was a good show. Don't apologize. Naomi Scott was a perfect fit to play Jasmine in the New Aladdin. Okay, as an actor, don't apologize. As an ethnicity, apologize. Alright, well that was it for our hot takes. How'd you feel? Yeah, I mean, it was great. Uh, Definitely felt like there were some that were controversial, and a lot of them are relative. And so it's just my opinion today. Tomorrow it might change. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the great thing about hot takes. (laughs) They can ever evolve. This has been the Sadi Not Sorry podcast. Shreya, if the listeners would like to check us out, where could they find us? All right, so you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And then on social media, we are on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And our handle for everything is the Sorry Not Sorry podcast. And if you're someone who likes listening to things on the radio, be sure to tune back in on Wednesdays at WNYU 89.1 FM. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.